Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 24, called First Blood. Now, I wanted you to look at verses 3 and 4 just to see with the plague of the sea or the bowl judgment and the plague on the rivers and the springs, they become blood. And the blood is a uh, judgment in the book of Revelation. And here's what I would just say to you, going back to something I said just a minute ago. I don't know how you see that as symbolic, that language. I don't know how you see that as fulfilled in the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. I will agree that some of the book of Revelation does apply to the past, but I would also argue that you are really stretching your interpretation to then say this is not going to be literally fulfilled at some point. And I want you to imagine, and this is a scary thought, but go back to the book of Exodus, and here's the good news. If you belong to the Lord, you won't be here for the day of the Lord's wrath. Praise God. Amen. You won't be here for his wrath. You might go through some trouble but you won't be here for his wrath. But the world is going to experience judgments that are unthinkable. And here's the thing. Even as the judgments fall, we just read, they won't repent. Instead, they blaspheme God. They don't turn to him. When Jesus did his miracles in Mark 2.10 This is in regard to the paralytic. He said, in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, take up your pallet and go home. And here's my point. God is doing these things that the Egyptians may know that he is God. You could also uh, see this as evangelistic. And so Moses is told that the fish that are in the Nile will die, Exodus 7, 18. The Nile will become foul, As this plague occurs, the Egyptians will find difficulty in drinking water from the Nile, I'll say. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, 19, over their streams, over their pools, over all their reservoirs of water, that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout all the land, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. All these different words give you the sweeping idea that it wasn't just limited to the river, it's water, streams, rivers, ponds, pools. It indicates graphically the extent of the plague. It would be everywhere. It would stain the entire land. What they now worshiped would be making a mess all of their land, all over their land. Can you imagine how scary this would be if you were an Egyptian? It would be so freaky. Uh, There's a couple different ways to take verse 19. The vessels of wood and stone. If you notice in your Bible, uh, if you you have the same one I do, vessels of is in italics or it's uh, in parentheses because it's not in the original. It, It literally reads, end of 19, both in wood and in stone. And if you're thinking with me, the gods of ancient Egypt were made of wood and stone. And so there are some scholars that would say, what we need to see is that uh, it was buckets, like if you had a wood bucket for water, that 
was filled with blood, which would be freaky. <laughs> Can you imagine coming out for your morning coffee? <laughs> Say, what? I was going to pour that in the coffee, in the, my Keurig. That ain't going to work. <laughs> but they also think that there are implications that the wood and the stone are the actual gods of the Egyptians, and that somehow the blood has migrated to them. And here's another interesting thing. I was reading this week, they said that the the magicians or the priests of Egypt would wash their idols every morning. Can you imagine if you went to wash your idol in the morning? Some of you wash your idol every morning, but it's a different kind of idol. It's an automobile, but never mind. That's a different story. that was kind of a joke. Um, but can you imagine if they went to wash their idol and they noticed that it had blood on it and then they went to wash it and they had to wash it in blood? It was blood, 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 blood. And some of you are like, why, why did I? I'm not having lunch today. It's... But the intention was to send a very clear, powerful message. The serpent that swallowed their serpents was a sign. The blood all over the land of Egypt is a sign. Think with me, Bible students. What do you think it's a sign of? Of what's to come. The firstborn are going to die all over the land. And Pharaoh is hard. He will not bow to the God of Israel, who is the God of the universe. He will not be moved. He will not repent. His heart is hard. And so Moses and Aaron, even as the Lord had commanded 20, as he lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile in the sight of the Pharaoh, right in front of him, and in the sight of his servants, and all the water that was in the Nile turned to blood. As soon as the staff of the shepherd hit it, it turned into literal blood. Other Bible passages affirm and confirm this. Let me just read a few to you. We're short on time, so I'm going to read them for you. Psalm 78, 41 through 45 says, And again and again they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78, 42 through 45. They did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the adversary, when he performed signs in Egypt and his marvels in the field of Zoan. He turned their rivers to blood and their streams they could not drink. Psalm 105, 22, I'm sorry, 25 through 29 says these words, Psalm 105, 25 through 29. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his wondrous acts among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood, Psalm 105, 29, and caused their fish to die. Even the the commentary of other taking scripture with scripture says it was turned into blood. It was not just a a visible color. It was not, you know, maybe the sun shining on it or algae or any of it. It was literal blood. And the fish that were in the Nile died, 21. The Nile became foul so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. And the blood was throughout all the land of Egypt. Scary scary stuff. One writer says, now all the citizens of the nation began to feel the effect of God's wrath and pressure began to ratchet up on the Pharaoh. It was one thing for him to ignore a display intended to convince him of God's power, but another to ignore the cries of his people 
for one of the most basic needs, water to drink. In considering the first plague, it is important to bear in mind the Egyptians understood the Nile to be a god. They had to be so shaken by what had occurred. And the Pharaoh's hard-heartedness began to ripple out to his people. Pause. If you have a hard heart, it will ripple out to other people that you love. There is no doubt about it. Hard-heartedness doesn't stay just right here. It will impact people in your life. And look, there are times as a Christian that we could say, sometimes I feel like my heart has gotten hard. And we might pray, Lord, soften my heart. So the uh, the magicians of Egypt, 22, did the same with their secret arts. Can you believe it? They were able to duplicate this. I don't know how they did it. I don't know if they had red dye somewhere. They found, you know, maybe some clean drinking water. Where would they have found clean drinking water? It would appear that all the surface water was turned to blood, but subterranean water, perhaps in wells. uh, We're going to watch the Egyptians start to dig around the Nile to try to find clean drinking water. Uh, Perhaps that's where there was subterranean water that was still clean. That's my take on this. And just a side note, the plague lasted seven days. So it didn't last a really long time, but seven days would be plenty of time, right? To be trying to find water and digging around. And what did they do? Did they use red dye? Was it the power of Satan? I'll leave that to you. But they were able to duplicate it in some way. (laughs) But get this, they didn't help the situation. They made more water into blood. Yeah, we can do it too. Nee, 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 nee. And they added more problems to their people. That's what the enemy does. You want power? I give you power over here. You don't, you don't need Jesus. Come over here to the dark side. Practice the dark arts. Do you know in the dark arts, some people actually ingest blood to get power? Now that totally ruined your lunch, I know. But this is what people will do just for the sake of power. They'll even go to the darkness to get in. It'll just cause more problems in your life. If they really had power, they should have turned the blood back into water. Amen? Then they would have been the heroes of Egypt, but they couldn't do it. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened because they were able to display something that looked the same. Here's one writer. He says, the skeptics probably comforted themselves in attributing what happened to seasonal reddening of the Nile. That it may have looked like, and perhaps to skeptical Egyptians, seen to be merely very severe manifestations of a known natural phenomenon would be consistent with the way that comforting self-deception works in general. If one is predisposed to doubt God, one will always be attracted to natural explanations for all the Bible's supernatural phenomenon, from creation ex nihilo to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you can fill in the blanks, close quote. They'll always look for a natural explanation. It was a twin. Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Michael Rizzi has a twin, and so did Jesus. It was his twin. Or he was in the tomb for three days, and Marcus Welby, MD. Oh, that totally dates me. Okay, who's a modern doctor? Anyway, never mind. Goes into the tomb and the cool air and he bandages up Jesus and Jesus then finds a way to get past the Roman guards, pushes the stone away and says, I'm alive. No. 
He is risen. He is risen indeed. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We are in the holiday season. Families and friends will soon be preparing for a Thanksgiving feast with football playing in the background. Friends will gather around the table for delicious turkey, complete with stuffing, cranberry sauce, creamed corn, and mashed potatoes. Don't forget about the sweet pumpkin pie. You express your thankfulness for your family, friends, church, your hobby, work, and everything the Lord provides. And after all the conversation and fun games, a food coma will follow. Thanksgiving is truly a wonderful day. We appreciate you spreading the word about our program and praying for our ministry. We are forever thankful to our Walk-In Truth Financial Partners, too. The Lord is using you to help keep this broadcast and podcast reaching people daily on this radio station and around the world. Pastor Michael Lance and the team here at Walk-In Truth are sincerely grateful you are listening to this broadcast. And we hope you have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. It was a twin. Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Michael Rizzi has a twin, and so did Jesus. It was his twin. Or he was in the tomb for three days and Marcus Welby, MD. Oh, that totally dates me. Okay, who's a modern doctor? Anyway, never mind. Goes into the tomb and the cool air and he bandages up Jesus and Jesus then finds a way to get past the Roman guards, pushes the stone away and says, I'm alive. No. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of course, is overwhelming. And the Pharaoh turned, went into his house with no concern even for this. Say what? Boys, find me some water. Whatever, Moses. Whatever, Aaron. What about his people? What about the nation? I don't care. Wow. He didn't even care. So sad. And sometimes I wonder, as I look at our world, you could take business, politics, circles of religion, and say, do we care? Do we care about the people that we lead? Does it make a difference to us how their lives are impacted? Perhaps that's what we should be looking for in leaders. And so all the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink. What a pathetic scene. But they could not drink the water of the Nile. And they dug around. Get a bucket. Get a shovel. And they were digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. This is what they did. And could you imagine? You're a reporter. You got a cameraman with you. Here we are in Egypt. Uh, Moses and Aaron met the Pharaoh first thing in the morning at the Nile River. And boy, things don't look good. Uh, The Niles look better. Uh, I can put it that way. And here's some footage of the Egyptian population digging around the Nile as though they were slaves. Digging, 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 digging. We're going to find some water. Pharaoh's in his house being fanned, being fed another grape. Uh, Whatever, whatever. 
Turn it off. I don't want to see it. Turn it off. <laughs> wow. That's, that's just the first plague. Radical, isn't it? It was judgment time on Egypt. Are you digging for living water? Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again and again and again. And I pray, if you're here and you're new to the things of Christianity, that you would know there is water that you can drink, and it's not physical water. It's living water. It's spiritual that will satisfy your soul. You don't have to dig around in desperation to try to find answers in all the wrong places with the false gods of this world. They will never produce. That has been evidence in this story, has it not? They, they stand no chance against the God of the Bible, the true God. Stop digging in the wrong places. Come down. He'll bless you. And so seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. And Father, I can't help but think of Jesus being struck at the cross. Maybe 13, 1500 years after this occurred, the Son of God was on the cross, pierced, plagued. The Egyptians could not reverse the curse, but Jesus Christ, with his precious blood, Reverse the curse, the curse of sin, the curse of death. Would you bow your heart with me? Father, as we fast forward to that cross and we think about how you allowed yourself, Jesus, to take the plague, to take the blow, to be struck, as Genesis says on the heel, to be pierced in your side, blood and water flowed. And John, commenting on this, says, believe. Believe that the God who struck Egypt was struck for our sin. And he did it because he loves us. He doesn't want us to experience the judgment of Egypt or the future judgment of this world. And so he was struck. And he hung on the tree. And he took our punishment. He took the wrath. Thank you, Lord. Would you just take a moment to maybe just ponder once again and afresh the gospel. The good news that the God who is our judge allowed himself to be judged. He went to that cross, took the strike shed his blood that we might be healed. Father, all of us, like sheep, we've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and you laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He took the burden and the sorrow. He was pierced for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for my shalom, my peace, fell upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Thank you, Lord. We read about these plagues, and it's a sober reminder that you are holy. And yet, 
holiness and love intersected at the cross, at the person of Christ. If you haven't met him, if this is not how you've understood the gospel before, cry out to him. Make him your king. You don't have to have a perfect prayer, but it's something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you're the king of kings and Lord of lords, the God of the universe. I believe that you lived the perfect life that I could never live, that you died in my place, taking the wrath, drinking the cup. I believe that you went into that tomb, but you were raised from the dead, just as you said, I believe in your death and your resurrection. And I want my life to be about following you and building your kingdom and seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. Cry out to him. Now's the time. Don't wait. If you're a prodigal and maybe you've walked away from the Lord, now is the time to come home, to drink once again of those living waters, to believe. You may cry out, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Strengthen me in the areas where I'm weak. And Father, for this precious congregation, let your living waters freshly flow. Let them flow out. Strengthen the weak places. Father, for those who need healing today, there's a lot of issues in our world, our bodies in this fallen world sometimes betray us. To extend your hand and do miracles, if that's your will, in the name of Jesus and for your glory alone, would you strengthen that person who's maybe struggling emotionally, mentally? Maybe they have a physical malady. We look to you. You're the only one that we can look to and you are available. You are our hope our salvation, our life. Our eyes are on you, author and perfecter of our faith. You've been listening to First Blood, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus, Chapter 7, Verses 14 through 24. And if you miss any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on whatever you heard in his teaching today. Or maybe you have a question about something else or need encouragement or prayer. Or maybe you just want to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as we've been pointing out, the Lord is specifically dealing with the false gods of Egypt in each one of these plagues. The Lord wants to demolish the idols in our lives. And I don't know what your idols may be. I don't know what's been keeping you captive in your life. But here's the bottom line. The Lord wants to destroy and kill our idols. What do I mean by that? I mean anything that we have been putting above him, our pride. Uh, it may be something you know, where it consumes our time, our energy. And 
I use the idea of killing it in quotes. That is that it would die off. It would take a lower rung on the ladder. And if it's something that's hurting us, it would completely go away. We would crucify the flesh and elevate the things of the spirit. I think you know what I'm saying. And if you're a brother or sister in the Lord, maybe this is what the Lord's been saying to you is I want those false gods um, out of your life completely. I want them to die so that you can truly live. We listen to the book of Exodus and this is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, we have a website where you can check out more about our ministry. It's walkintruth.com. It's walkintruth.com. There you can find out how to partner with us. You can find out more about the church behind this program. You can find out more about a ministry that we have called A Step Closer, which does a little bit more on the devotional side of special topics. That's all available when you go to walkintruth.com. Well, we'll be here tomorrow as we look at plague number two and we deal with the frogs. (laughs) Back with the frogs tomorrow. See you here. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also so more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month or give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 8, verses 1 through 15, called Frogs, Frailty, and freedom. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.